Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever. Amen. Let's pray. God, as we come now to your word this morning, we thank you for it. We thank you for preserving it for us that we can hear it read in a language that we understand. But we ask now that you would grant us more than physical hearing and understanding. Would you grant us spiritual hearing and understanding? Would you open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things? By the work of your spirit in our hearts, would you teach us and train us, correct us, even rebuke us for righteousness' sake? Oh God, make us whole. Make us more like Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help me, your servant. Father, protect me from error. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O God. You are my rock and my Redeemer. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I learned a new word this week. Hereith. Hereith. I can't say it right because it's a Welsh word. It's a Welsh word, and to be honest, I don't have the right accent. My Midwestern upbringing And my 14-year incubation in the South doesn't lend itself to proper pronunciation of this word, hereith. Not only is it hard to say, but it's also really hard to fully translate it into English. Hereith includes the essence of what you and I call homesickness. It's a deep and earnest longing for home. It's a yearning to return to what looks, what feels, maybe even what tastes like home. It conveys a sense of a home-shaped hole in our soul, a hole that cannot be filled by where one might find themselves in the moment. Here I In the text that I read for you and that we're looking at this morning, the Apostle Peter is addressing a group of Christians who know a lot, in fact, all about Hereith. In verse 1, if you look back up there, Peter addresses them and calls them exiles of the dispersion. You see, whom he's writing to are Christians who have fallen under intense persecution and they're suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result, they've been dispersed from their homes. Many are literally running for their lives. And Peter, 
the transformed Peter, now the good pastor Peter, is writing to them to encourage them, to remind them of an even greater home, an even greater home that they have, not a home of this world, but a home in heaven, a home with God himself. Many of us here this morning know all about Hereith. Maybe not like these suffering Christians, but nevertheless, a type of Hereith of our own. For we're acutely aware of the fact that we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. We see it in those headlines that we read. We see it in the posts that fill our social media feeds. We see it in what we see with our own two eyes. The heartbreak that we experience. The fears that we face. And even the isolation that we have been enduring for so long now. I'm sure if I had the chance to ask each and every person sitting in this room right now, each of you would find somewhere, somewhere inside of yourself, if not at the surface, it would be there, a longing, a deep longing for a better world, a better time, maybe even a better life. This is here I And the good news this morning, the good news today, in fact, I would say the good news every morning is that there is an answer for humanity's hereith, and it is found only in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The answer is only found in Christ's resurrection from the dead, for Jesus The very Son of God voluntarily left his home in heaven. He descended to an exile-like existence here among us. And he lived for us. And he died for us. And he rose again for us. And yes, he even ascended back to his heavenly home for us. And it is through his resurrection. It is through his resurrection from the dead. It is there and only there where we who live and go by his name, it's only there where we have a true and living hope, a living hope for our deep and yearning, longing for a better home. It's only in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we find something to fill that home-shaped hole inside each and every one of us. The resurrection is the answer to hereith. We read three short verses. Three short verses, and in those verses before us, Peter shines a bright light on Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus stands right in the center of this thought. And he shines a bright light on it, and he reveals three wonderful benefits Three benefits that anchor our souls to a living hope. 
A living hope that not only ministers to that longing that we have for our true home in heaven, but a living hope that carries us along on our journey to get there. So this morning, I want us to look at those three wonderful benefits together. And the first one, the first benefit that flows from Jesus' resurrection is a new birth. A new birth. Look again at verse 3. Peter says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. He's caused us to be born again. What is this? What is this new birth? What does it mean for someone to be born again? You might know in John chapter 3, Jesus tells a man named Nicodemus about this. And he says that unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. This means that no matter what else you are able to accomplish in this life, no matter what you're able to do by the works of your own hands, no matter how nice you think that you might be, no matter how good you are, when you compare yourself to other people, unless you're born again, you cannot even walk through the door of God's kingdom. You can think of it this way. Every human being is born alive, physically. Every human being is born physically alive, but they are born spiritually dead. But blessed be the God and Father. Blessed be the God and Father, Peter says. According to his great mercy... According to his mercy, acting not based on what we have done, but because solely his mercy toward us, Peter paints a picture for us. And this is what the picture is like. I I could paint it for you, but not only would you not be able to see it, it would be horrible. Peter describes it better. When he says new birth, he's painting a picture It's a picture of the Father striding into the grave where we are there laying dead. And he raises us up. He raises us up. He breathes his spirit into us. And we are brought from death to life. We are brought from death to life. We are born again. Paul says in Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together with Christ Jesus. Peter says that this new life, this new birth, what is he going to say? It's through, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that real and true event that took place, that we celebrate every Sunday, but even more this day, the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead. One of my favorite singer-songwriters, Andrew Peterson, wrote a song for Easter morning called His Heart Beats. His Heart Beats. And describing that moment when Jesus awakes from the dead, Andrew pens these words. He took one breath and put death to death. Where is your sting, O grave? How grave is your defeat? I know, 
I know his heart beats. I know his heart beats. Listen, when Christ rose, all of God's people rose with him. All of us rose with Jesus in a radical, soul-reorienting renewal of life. We were born again through his resurrection. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, Paul describes it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Because Jesus did indeed put death to death at his resurrection. Those of us who have been made new creations through him, we have a new heart. And our new heart beats with Jesus' heartbeat. It's beating inside of our chests. And this new heart beats with a living hope. A living hope that reminds us that though this world is indeed broken... Though this world that we inhabit and see every day is broken, there lies something greater, something greater for us in the home where we're longing to be. And that brings us to the second benefit that flows from Jesus' resurrection, an amazing inheritance, an amazing inheritance. Look again at verse 4. Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So great is our true home. So great is our inheritance that waits for us in heaven that Peter uses three words to describe it. And I want you to know right away that these words are not just merely synonyms. Peter's not like me, I guess. He's not some long-winded preacher who has hit upon identical terms and then says, hey, I'm going to take these and I'm going to pile them all up on top of one another to make my points. No, that's not what he's doing. He's not doing this for rhetorical effect. Each word has a distinct meaning and each word is chosen specially. Notice what he says first. He calls it imperishable. It means that it can't die. It can't die. It's a living inheritance, just like our hope is a living hope. It's not going to spoil. It's not going to rot. It's not going to rust. It's not vulnerable to corruption, the corruption of death or suffering. It will not die. It cannot die. Second, he says that it's undefiled. It's undefiled. This means that there's nothing in this inheritance that is touched by sin. Think about this. There's not going to be any need for locks or alarms. Keys are going to be unnecessary. Every woman will sleep without fear. Every man is honorable. Every child is cherished. There will be no sin. No sin. None at all. Our inheritance is without stain or blemish. And third, he says that it's unfading. It's unfading. It means that it's not subject to decay, not subject to what we call the law of diminishing returns. It doesn't diminish over time, but rather the enjoyment of it increases into eternity and up to 
infinity. In that sense, it's not like that second donut or the third, let's be honest, or the fourth. It's not like that. It's not like that gift that we were so excited to get on December 25th, but by January 15th, we're like, what gift? What was that? No, it's unfading. We'll forever delight in it. It will just get better and better and better and better and better. This is the inheritance that awaits us in heaven. It's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And it's ours. It's ours through the new birth that we have in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It belongs to us. God freely gives it to us. Why? Because if we belong to Jesus, then we are his sons and daughters. And he delights to give his children good gifts. And he gives us this inheritance. And even more, it's kept safely there. Did you catch that? It's kept safe. It's kept safe right where the resurrected and ascended Jesus waits. He waits. He rules and reigns over his kingdom, yes, but he waits until that day, that final day, when he will return, when he has received all of his children unto himself, when he has received us, our, his brothers and sisters, and he grants us everlasting enjoyment and the amazing inheritance that we have. But you know, if you're like me, all of this raises a really important question. A very important question. Sounds good, Pastor Dan. Sounds great. But how can I know I'll really get to enjoy it? How can I know that I'll really get to enjoy this inheritance? Pastor Dan, though I long for that day, this day, this day is really, really hard. The pressures, the realities, the suffering of this world is just too much. How can I truly know that that inheritance is truly mine? That brings us to that third and last benefit that Peter says flows from the resurrection of Jesus. And it's this, a secure faith. A secure faith. Look again at verse five. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It almost stands on its own. It's the living hope that each and every one of us in this room and every person on this planet needs. I want you to see that just as it is God's power that causes us to be born again, it's also God's power that guards us until we receive the inheritance that he's given to us. If you're in Christ, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then what Peter is saying, what I am saying to you, is that you are being guarded by God's power. Even through your faith, you are being guarded by God's power for that amazing inheritance that waits for you. I like how Paul describes it in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Listen to what Paul says. He says, 
if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you, lives in you. Now that is a wonderful truth, isn't it? That is a wonderful truth. Isn't it amazing to know that you are secure in Jesus Christ, not because of what you do, but because it is God who secures you? It is God who secures you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, and it secures you until that final day, that day when we receive our inheritance. Peter has shown a really bright light. Right in the middle of our passage, he shines a bright light on the resurrection, and like a a jewel, it gives off various colors. And he's told us three wonderful benefits, three colors that we see that anchor our souls to a living hope in Christ, a new birth, an amazing inheritance, and a secure faith. Friends, I want you to listen to me. Those are the only anchors that will hold you and me, that will hold us steady in the midst of all the storms that we face in this world. And when we embrace these anchors, they truly minister to our souls here I They provide a resounding and lasting response to that deep and earnest longing that all of us have for a better world. They fill that home-shaped hole in our souls. They remind us that we have also been resurrected to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What's true of our Lord Jesus, if you are in him, is true of you. So let me ask you, do you know this living hope? Are you here this morning by faith, celebrating the living hope of the resurrection of Jesus? I've heard you singing. Keep doing it. Rejoice. Rejoice this day in the great God who's raised you. He's raised you from death to life. He's done it in Jesus Christ and with Jesus Christ. Rejoice this day in that amazing inheritance that awaits you in heaven. And rejoice this day that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and secures you until that final day. Don't let Easter be the only Sunday or the only day that you glory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But maybe you're here this morning. And man, that sounds good. But it's elusive. You long to know a living hope like this. You feel the weight of your own hereith. You know what it's like to long for a better home, a better world, a better time, a better life. 
I hope you've been listening because the good news for you is that it is found. It's found in the living hope of the resurrected Jesus. So my question is simple. Will you turn to Jesus today? Will you turn to Jesus this day? Will you confess your sin to him? Would you place your faith and trust in him? Would you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? This is the day of salvation. Believe in Christ Jesus and you will be saved. If you're here this morning and you long for that type of hope, that living hope, I encourage you by the mercies of God to turn to Jesus. We don't do an altar call here at the Granville Chapel. I guess in a way we do. We're going to have communion here in a moment. And those who believe in Christ will be invited to come forward. But if you're here this morning and you want to talk more about this, would you do me a favor and see me after the service? Maybe turn to your neighbor, maybe someone who invited you here. Talk to them about it. Today is the day to put our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Turn to him and be saved. Amen and amen.